Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Find out how ugly mankind can really be. Myself and the click are gonna dance all over your face. Talk about your Psalms, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Million, everyone, it's the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. Ooh, bring him home as the other Cultaholic lads. Get set for All In in Wembley. We are here via the Ica Pro Power DeLorean getting set to be buried deeper than CM Punk buried Hangman Page. Aha! Topical material. Who be we? I be fake Geordie Tom Campbell along with my mulligan to my O'Hare, the rambunctious Jackie Orlando. Jackie, how you doing? Oh, hello, hello, hello. CM Punk, he's a card, isn't he? <laughs> he's always saying things like, you're all a bunch of bastards. I didn't. I didn't think the thing he said was too bad, but I do think he's a cunt, and I'm a big fan of CM Punk. I'm a big fan of the elite, but he seems like a prick. The general vibe has been: everyone stop causing drama, or I will cause some drama. He's caused a lot of drama by telling people to stop causing drama. I was saying to Aiden, and this is. A further me becoming like the Undertaker. That there's just too many. There's just too many little boys in that locker room. Someone needs to stand up and chin him. <laughs> and the second he gets put on his ass, he'll calm down. Could you imagine if there was like a Stan Hansen type in that locker room? Oh God, yeah. In there going, hey, you all stop writing things about me on Twitter. Stan Hansen just stands up. Shut up. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes when someone's egos go mad, they just need a, a good slap to the chops and then they go, oh, God, yeah, sorry, I was being a bit of a prick. That's it, and then they're fine, then. Yeah. This is no question CM Punk is a wrestler. No, fantastic wrestler. Just a bit of a cunt at the moment. Yeah, and when I'm at All In, I'll tell that to his face. I'll be oh, like, I'll, yeah. I'll fight you. <laughs> I can't wait for you to be on that media junket and go, right, you've got 10 minutes for CM Punk. Oh, God, I know, there's... there's um. There's part of me that just wants you to go for it. There's a few, there's a few wrestlers that I've never had any interactions with. This is just based on my own biased opinions. There's a few wrestlers that could appear in this junket that I'm just like, I don't want to talk to you. I think you're a knobhead. Um, <laughs> so, but I'll have to be professional, if so. Or I'll just say, Jack King, can you do it? I'm just going to go outside. <laughs> I am buzzing to see you on a news video more than anything else. I think I've said this before. News videos with Jack Atkins. Oh God, yeah. I, we've we started doing like a basic plan for it the other day, and we 
like when this goes out we are we will be like four days away from all in when we're recording this we're about 10 days away um and we had a meeting the other day and we were just like so what's going on then and we were like kind of don't know so <laughs> we've got a loose we've we've got a loose plan we've got a loose plan. we've had a few emails back and forth so it's fine but i am mm. just setting my alarm for early saturday morning to see the first ever cultaholic news video with jackie orlando in Oh, I, I, I didn't realise we were doing the news. Wait. This is the first time hearing of it. No, so. we've talked about this a few times. No? We have on here. I've said doing a news video. Yeah, but I, di- I didn't realise that was the actual plan. I thought that was just you manifesting. I'm assuming that was the plan because there's there's news videos that need to be done from all in. Yeah. And well, that'll be... Hmm. Jack and the other presenter there. Which is Jack. It's me, Jack King. You. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, I'm Jack as well. Yeah. 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 I, I always forget that. Process of elimination. I'm not officially called Jack in the company because when I joined, I thought I can't walk in and be like, hey, forget that fellow who's one of the co founders. My name's Jack and I'm older. So I just went, you can call me Atkins and it's fine. <laughs> so everyone just calls me by my surname. You could have been the Stan Hansen that stood up to the metaphorical CM Punk. Well, at first, I like Pachiti uh, said, we'll call him New Jack. And I was like, fucking, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> play Margaritaville all the way through your match. I just turned up and I was like, right, I'm putting on Ice Cube and Dr. Dre and I'm going to staple a bastard. <laughs> I found out, I found out on the other podcast that you do uh, for our football channel, Hold and Give, that in another multiverse, you are known as Tony Shivani. Yes. Which I love. Yeah. Um, Ross keeps on wanting to call me Clive Fuck, but because that's it's primarily a YouTuber and he has to call me Clive and he, he has to stop himself every time. I could call you Clive Fuck. You can call me Clive Fuck. Clive Fuck. Oh, yeah. We are... Oh, are we? Are you all right? Doing great. I'm, I'm on top of the world. Oh, wait. Breaking bulldog news. Stand back because the British Bulldog lives in beer form. That's right. Davy Boy Smith's Twitter revealed that he's bringing out somehow because he's a bit brown bread his own line of beer. Here's the the tweet. (laughs) Not even called Beer King. I'm furious. Here's the tweet. So very happy to announce coming this fall. should say autumn, really. A mm. British Bulldog beer is on the way. The flavours are amazing. This won't be light, folks. The beer, This beer will have its bite. And then we have two photos in the tweet. One is of British Bulldog David Boy Smith in his pomp, in his heyday, holding a pint of beer with a ridiculously large head. <laughs> the other is a picture of Davy Boy Smith in what seems to be his Japan days looking fucking battered holding another <laughs> I, I looking red faced to... and battered see in, in, in our universe this is all uh, this is all a Tom idea and what he's done is he's just got special brew and stuck a new label on it <laughs> That may or may not be what this is. It's, mm. it's they, what he's done is he's crossed out the R-E-W from Rue with a red felt-tip pen and just put on a piece of A4 paper and it just says, Uldog. 
Special <laughs> bulldog. Fear. That my lovely debut will be fucking shifted and no problem. <laughs> hey, drink me special bulldog beer if you're working nights. So, shut up, David. You can make two pound out of this. <laughs> <laughs> Come and get it now from either Tom's house or Wigan Market on Sunday. <laughs> Not there next Sunday because I'm taking my dog to the vet, but I'll be here Sunday after. <laughs> Come get it. No refunds. My, uh, Of course, my heart, it, it didn't sink because I'm, I'm glad they're going to be there, but my heart like stopped for a second when, as part of the prep for this, with, we were looking at for all in even. Um, there's a few indie shows going on around London and wondering if if we can get press access to them, can we go to them, blah, 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 blah. And obviously, Davy Boy Smith Jr. has been announced for a, a show or two. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Do no. it. No. <laughs> I might have to put on a fake moustache to hide my identity. Like a Groucho Marx disguise kit, which just wouldn't work. He walks past and goes, oh. Can't be Jack Atkins. <laughs> that very, very famous man who everyone definitely knows in the sea of 80,000. They will there when he I. There is. There's the dickhead. They will when I print out 10,000 flyers and send them to Diddy Salcedo to hand out around Wembley. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm joking? You're so chaotic, you fucking would as well. Do you know what? I, and you know what? With Due to lots of things. Um, in in my life at the moment, I'm actually feeling extra chaotic at the moment. I feel I feel like I want to watch. I think I've got to watch Olympus burn right now. Good. Um, and it's right. As long as Olympus doesn't mean my house while I'm <laughs> asleep, that's can't, fine. Can't promise. That's not <laughs> what it means. I can't make you that. I don't want to lie to you. I can't lie. I sweat when I lie. Uh, I can't. I get nosebleeds. So let's. Take it back to a simpler time, uh, to 1996. We're in October the 7th. What's going to happen is, if this is your first episode of the Classic Raw Review, oh, geez, I'm so sorry. We're terrible <laughs> at offering jumping on points. You know, basically, it's like joining a swimming pool and, and your initiation is going to the very top board and diving into cold water. Apologies for that. Um, but uh, I'm going to talk you through what's happening in this in the real world in October of 1996, October the 7th to be exact. And then Jackie Orlando is going to tell you what's going on in the wider wrestling world. And then we're going to have a chat about this week's episode of Raw. The good, the bad, and the indifferent. Number one movie in the UK this week is The Nutty Professor, stale, starring Eddie Murphy as The Clumps. The very first one is this, yeah. The very first one, obviously. This, this, this will be a, a new number one, I think. It is number one in the movies, yeah. Yeah, but I think this is number one for the first week. I think this is at... Uh... I couldn't remember whether it was number one last week or not. No, I think last week was... It was a Bruce Willis film. Was oh, that it was another... that weird that weird Bruce Willis film, wasn't it? That we, that yeah. We know. That's, and we probably didn't know it because The Naughty Professor was huge when it came out. Um, <laughs> and the only thing I can really remember about the first one is Dave Chappelle being Dave Chappelle in it, and that's about it. I remember liking it as a child. If you missed this one, it's... Uh... It's a 96 sci-fi comedy, apparently, starring Eddie Murphy. I, don't, I never really classed it as sci-fi, but Wikipedia lists it as sci-fi when I was doing the digging on this one. I thought, that's strange. I wouldn't have said it was sci-fi, but I guess there's a sci-fi element to it. Yeah. Um, but it's based on the movie from 1963 starring Jerry Lewis. Similar story. That in itself is a parody of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. 
So it's a parody of a, of a parody of a remake of a parody. Uh, and it stars Eddie Murphy as uh, an overweight uh, school professor uh, called Sherman Clump. And he wants to get thin. So he creates a potion to make him thin. But in doing so, it creates a duality of man with hilarious results. Because if yeah. you're thin, you're an asshole. And if you're fat, you're great. That's the that's what we learn from the nutty professor. Generally well received when it when it came out. A weekend gross of his first weekend of over twenty five million dollars. Top the box office, uh, beating out striptease and the new Disney film, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Ooh, the the darkest of the Disney films. The darkest of the Disney films. Generally positive reviews. Rotten Tomato giving it 64%. Uh, it falls back on juvenile humor eagerly and often, but Eddie Murphy's consistently funny work in dual roles means more for the audience to love. Uh, that's uh, a review from Rotten Tomatoes all about it. And uh, it, it did very well. I think it's of a time. I don't know whether you could do a film of that. I think he tried a few times to go to that well. There was obviously the sequel and there was Norbit. Um, until everybody sequel. sort of realised oh fat lol yeah I've seen the sequel can't remember it I've never seen Norbert because I thought oh Eddie and I, someone pointed out when Eddie Murphy stopped being good it's when he stopped doing the smile when he stopped smiling from the side of his head and laughing he stopped being as funny as he was in his prime do you think it was something that we were specifically told to stop doing I don't know I don't, I don't know if he I don't know, because he, he, he did seem to fall down that trope of I'm going to play six characters in a film in different prosthetics and that, which is, you know, it's a it's a skill in itself. But sometimes you just want Eddie Murphy just being a bit of a prick. And it's fantastic. Have you seen Dolomite Is My Name? No, I haven't. A couple of years ago on Netflix. It's really good. Very, very funny. Um, yeah. Eddie Murphy being a bit more Eddie Murphy again. So I'll, I'll, it's a I'll return leave that to form. at that. Yes, yes. In the UK, the first Wives Club is number one. Mm. Uh, Diane Keaton, Bette Midler, Goldie Horn, three divorcees getting retribution on their ex-husbands with hilarious results. Mm. It's a lovely date night film, that is. Yeah. Deep Blue Something are number one in the UK in the, in the music charts with Breakfast at Tiffany's. This is um, every time I see my mate Rusty, and I've done it for years, I always say to him, who sang Breakfast at Tiffany's? And he always go, oh, I don't know. And it's just always like, it's Deep Blue something. Uh, very good song. Very good one-hit wonder. Mm. The song's very self-explanatory in terms of what it's about. It's you know, mm. it's a couple that are breaking up because they don't have anything that they 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 uh, they they connect on, except the movie Audrey Hepburn film Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah, with hilarious results. And it- <laughs> It did good work for Tiffany's as well. It helped become Tiffany's, a household name, uh, and and actually increased their sales. True story. Oh, wow. okay. More people went to Tiffany's because of Breakfast at Tiffany's, and it also brought the movie back into fashion as well, very briefly. But not well again. done to Deep Blue something. Yeah, who who then went on to do jack shit after that? They probably get decent royalties just from that one song. So that's the true trick to life is to have one song and have it really good and then just go sit in a shed for the rest of the days. Oh, God, I'd love that. But just just without the having one really good song, I'd just like to go just sit in a shed for the rest of my day. <laughs> we talked about what you would do with, um, with if you won the lottery and you would just go feral, as we've discussed. I'd, just, I'd be gone, yeah. It'd be brilliant. <laughs> now, they did attempt to try and recreate some of their glory days. Because so me saying 
that they disappeared was uh, unfair because in 2001, they released multiple singles, uh, Page Me Wolverine, Hell in Itself, Who Wants It, All Make Believe. And in 2015, they released the songs Out of My Head. In 2020, they released a single called Don't Stop. And last year, they released a single called Cherry Lime Ricky. None of these songs charted. Well, the charts aren't what they once were. Chart schwarz. Up the, up the deep blue something. Up the deep blue something. <laughs> uh, and the Macarena is still number one in America, and it will be for about 400 years more. Mm. Get this right. On this day in history, on this day in history, uh, 7th of October, Rupert Murdoch officially launches Fox News. Oh, 17 crazy. million households watched the debut broadcast. Uh, however, it was absent from some of the largest U.S. media markets of New York City and L.A. at this point. But despite that, it's very well everywhere else in America. Uh, rolling news coverage was still quite a new concept. And Fox News were ready to corner the market with that. Uh, and, uh, and you know what? They were there first as far as many. And CNN would follow soon after that. But uh, CNN were first. I thought Fox News was first. No, CNN was the first 24 hour. Fox News was second. Yeah, because and... this is what this is what people always say about um, the Monday Night Wars. While Vince McMahon positioned it as McMahon versus Turner, Ted Turner was like, "Who the fuck's Vince McMahon? I want to kill, I want to absolutely kill Rupert Murdoch." So those two were fighting, and McMahon and Bischoff were fighting at the same time. Yeah, that's yeah. a war. Uh, on a, a bigger TV story happened two days later on BBC Two with the debut of Two Fat Ladies, <laughs> starring Jennifer Patterson and Clarissa Dixon Wright. Oh God, yeah. I was like, I recognise the name. I can picture the two of them. Yeah. They go around on that on that tandem motorbike. Yeah, I can't remember what the show was about. Places. It was it went around the country cooking. They ah, were, right. you know, it was the it, it, they, two fat ladies walked so two hairy bikers could run. <laughs> and they ran so two. They ran a lot because they lost a lot of tip. <laughs> <laughs> Dave and Cy. Yeah, I've never, never really watched, never really watched that. Not much of a cooking show guy. Alex, one day, one of my Alex has done really random things in her job as producer on radio and stuff. And one day, I was incredibly envious of was because uh, for a while, Dave and Cy, the hairy bikers, used to do a radio show for Planet Rock. And um, Planet Rock is part of the Bauer Radio Group. There is a Bauer radio station in the Northeast called Metro Radio. Alex used to work there, and on one day, they said, "Would you mind?" Uh, in the afternoon, we take you off your shift and you can just keep an eye on Dave and Cy because they're going to be recording their show from Newcastle. She's like, oh, go on then. So she got to hang out with Dave and Cy and just make them tea and stuff and just keep them right on the system. So that's great. What a great that day. Sounds, that sounds lovely. They seem like nice fellas. She said they are bloody lovely. She said, beautiful. And they're, they're from the north, so of course they are. Yeah. Not like these southern shandy drinking bastards I'm going to yeah! be fighting in a few days. Up the southern, down the southerners. I'm going to be there. Luke Osborne's coming with us, who, of course, is a southerner. And I'll be like, I'm sorry, mate. This is just how it is. I'm going to have to <laughs> slap him with a tear in my eye. Um... <laughs> Beating your own son, honestly. <laughs> uh, and this, I don't know why I've written this down. This has no bearing on the wrestling world at all. Uh, October the 10th this week in the, the boring real world, Turner Broadcasting Systems merge with Time Warner. I don't know what bearing mm. that will ever have on on the world of wrestling, but there it is. 
Yeah. <laughs> Who, who's to say? Who's to say? That's the real world. Tell us what's happening in the actual wrestling world, though, Jackie Orlando. Fucking loads. Yes! <laughs> Yay! Right. Wrestling Observer Newsletter, dated October 14th, 1996. Again, if this is your first time, the episode of Raw Watching is October the 7th. The way that the newsletter works, Dave Meltzer gets it out on the Friday, but dates it the following Monday. So this is <laughs> he covered... gets it out on a Friday. That's what Mrs. Meltzer said. Doesn't he does. He's like, hey, um, you know, uh, kind of, I think, you know, uh, kind of maybe kind of cleaned it, I think. <laughs> Want to kind of have a look, maybe? As an aside, in in the, in uh, August 2023, in the most recent Observer, he had to say at the end, there's no Observer next week, I'm in all in. And he Dave melted it. He was like, uh, as of writing of uh, August the 11th, but newsletter dated August the 14th, I will not be putting out a newsletter on August the uh, 19th, dated the August the 22nd, because I'll be in All In in London, and there are other shows in there, so I won't be in America, for I will be in England. I was just like, Dave, just like, no, observe next week, biggest <laughs> show of all time. <laughs> Fuck me. Uh, like, <laughs> Like you say, he writes like jazz. <laughs> he writes like jazz. Hey, look, if he's going to be in London, find him and just say, Dave, shake shake him down for wrestling news. He is. It's, Turn um, him upside down and shake him. See what comes out. Dave and Brian Alvarez are going to be in London. So we're we're on the scope. We're on the, the scoping out to see if we can try and uh, pin Dave down and be like, Dave, do you want to do some content for us and not tell us that we're liars and call us arseholes again? <laughs> Again, once, we don't usually do inside scoops, but one time we did an inside scoop and then Dave Meltzer the next week said it was bollocks and we said, it's not bollocks because we spoke to someone who's quite big who told us firsthand what happened, Dave. You tit. <laughs> <laughs> and I like Dave Meltzer, but this one time it really pissed, it pissed Dave off very much. But uh, yeah. <laughs> what? That's not now. Let's go to October the 14th, 1996. Yes! <laughs> So, Christ, the main story this week is WWF-based. And as Dave himself has put, the Bret Hart sweepstakes appears to have reached its 11th hour, and most likely nobody, perhaps including Hart himself, right now knows for sure who is going to end up as the winner. While the WWF had been planning for Hart's return at Survivor Series, and he has been already advertised for a late November tour of England, WCW have counted with a strong offer, which would be at least three times as much money as Hart has ever earned in wrestling, guaranteed. It is known that up until this past week, the WWF was going through its long-planned storyline for Hart, which would have started with a match with Steve Austin and continued to WrestleMania, where more likely than not, the plan was for Hart to beat Shawn Michaels for the title or whoever was champion at the time. Hart had previously stated and was apparently sincere that he wasn't interested in return to the WWF unless they offered him the title, the big fucking mark, uh, <laughs> something the company apparently was willing to do. So um, as he's put here, like they need all the friends and ammunition they can to muster to battle the WCW. I'm tripping over my words loads here. So basically the same to Hart, oh, if you want the title, you can have the title. The NWO are kind of kicking our dick in. Please come back, Brett. Um, as Dave's put here, as a wrestler, Hart is in one of the most enviable positions bargaining-wise of any wrestler in history. He's 39 years old, 
theoretically at the tail end of his peak years in the industry, but still not only among the top performers in the business, but also considered by most as one of its most popular and marketable stars. And it goes on to say, in Europe, especially, as we know, Bret Hart, you don't even have to announce a card in Europe. You just say, WWF, Bret Hart's coming, and it'll sell out because he's, he's huge over here. Um, so they're saying... He's the lone performer at this level whose contractual situation is such that he can sit back and take bids. And with the exception of Hollywood Hogan, would be the second wrestler in history who should be able to play his cards right and get a guaranteed money deal in excess of $1 million per year. So that's what um, Dave's thinking. But as we've seen in recent weeks, they're really building up to Austin and Hart. Austin's been calling out Hart, calling him out, calling him out, calling him out, calling him out. And we'll see a, a little bit more of this this week on Raw. Um, Dave's saying, 39 years old, Brow Hart is at this point. And I'd never even considered he was that old in 96, because obviously he'd been in WWF for at least 10 years at this point. Maybe a bit longer. Um, Let me think. He was definitely at WrestleMania 3. He's definitely in WrestleMania 2, because he's in the Battle Royal. Oh, yeah, he's at WrestleMania 2, which was 86. Yeah, so 10 years, I would say. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so he, he's getting on, and Dave's saying this is probably the last shot he's got at taking a big, massive deal. Um, Dave continues, It appears WWF officials became quite concerned over the past week when they received word that WCW has made a huge offer. A three-year deal to Bret Hart worth supposedly close to $9 million. Jesus! So $3 million a year to Bret Hart in 96, which, in hindsight, should have taken the money, Brett. <laughs> so as Dave's put, it's it's a deal uh, on the table which the WWF couldn't even come close to affording. You know, they, they can't afford to. Um, what he said is, you know, whether that disputed $9 million, whether that's true or not, the word they've received as Hart is yet to contact WWF regarding the offer, or even that he's negotiating with WCW or whatever. It, it's just completely up in the air. However, when the word of that kind of an offer from WCW, whether real or not, reached WWF officials, it was a major shock because for the first time, the feeling among many higher-ups is that the odds were better than 50% that Bret Hart would choose WCW because three-plus times the money is almost impossible to turn down at 39 years old. Belt or no belt, as he's put here. Um it is believed Hart in his best year with WWF earned very high six figures. And even this year, between working full-time for three months, a six-figure WrestleMania payoff and merchandising royalties, he'd earn a solid six-figure income, even taking the majority portion of nine months off because we haven't seen half a month. Those close to Hart say that if the right acting gigs come up, he'd re readily turn his back on wrestling and get on with the next stage of his life. This is Bret Hart, the man whose life is, I love wrestling, I'm pretty sure it's real. And I'm not a great actor. But you're like this. Over this past week in October 1996, he was in Los Angeles doing voiceovers for an episode of The Simpsons. Yeah! So others within, you know, within the industry apparently are saying Hart will make his decision based off a number of factors, recognising this is the best shot at making a huge amount of money because he's in a unique position at a unique time. Whatever contractual ties Hart actually has to the WWF are minimal, and at worst, he'd be able to leave by giving three months written notice. So we'll wait and see. The, to add a little bit of meat to the bone of Bret Hart in The Simpsons. Uh, so this is uh, uh, the episode of The Simpsons where 
Uh, it's called The Old Man and the Lisa. And it's uh, and there's a scene where Mr. Burns is selling off his mansion to uh, Brett the Hitman Hart. Now, he didn't sound very Brett-like. Sounds, he sounds like Cowboy Brett. Yeah, he does sound very much like Cowboy Brett. He, he was in an interview with the AV Club uh, podcast, and Brett said they approached me about doing the voice of a wrestler, but not Brett Hart. It was the Mad Russian or something. And I said, I don't want to be the Mad Russian. I want to be Brett the Hitman Hart. We went back and forth for a while. Eventually, they said very politely, this is why, this is the way it's written. Take it or leave it. I agreed. And I flew down to Fox Studios. <laughs> the yeah, role did it, see, it, now, it did see it, him using his name and likeness. But Hart goes on to say, that's why the voice doesn't really sound like me, because I thought I was playing a crazy Russian. So he voiced it, thinking he was going to be the Mad Russian. They eventually adapted it to make him Bret Hart, which is why he doesn't but, sound anything like Bret Hart does. But he doesn't sound Russian either. He sounds Texan. He's like, because <laughs> what is it? Why would I want a picture of a pitiful pencil neck geek like you? He sounds more like Steve Austin. <laughs> he really um, does. But I know? love the idea of, of Bret Hart arguing the toss about playing <laughs> Bret Hart in everything. I want to be Bret Hart. It's like, Bret, you're nearly 40. I want to be Bret Hart. It's a cowboy drama, Bret. No, I want to play Bret Hart, time traveller. I want to be fucking Bret Hart. Let me play Bret Hart. A few years ago, they released a Simpsons range of toys of all the guest stars, or like some of the best guest stars, and they made a Bret Hart figure. And there's, there's three that I want, but they cost more money than I'm willing to spend on them. And it's Bret Hart. Elvis Costello and Weird Al Yankovic. And <laughs> I want them, but I'm not prepared to pay for them. So if someone out there just has them and thought, do you know what? I'm going to throw these in the bin. Make that bin my house. <laughs> <laughs> before I set it on fire. Before Tom, yeah. Before Tom, you know, burns me to death. Um, talking of people convicted of arson, Kurt Angle has pretty much decided against doing pro wrestling, apparently. Good. He'd be rubbish at it. He'd be shite, wouldn't he? <laughs> yes. Do you want some Livewire news? I would die for Livewire news. So this week on Livewire, and we'll see a clip, some clips of this later in Raw, they introduced a new character called Vic Venom. Brackets. Vince Russo, bro. Bro. So the way Dave's put it, he's been doing the magazine, which we know Vic Venom's running. Is he the editor or at least the fictional editor of the WWF magazine. He's involved in it anyway. He's a columnist who's he just, just columnist, like insider yeah. stuff and like kind of razzes the business a little bit. As Dave's put here, he's been a bit clairvoyant. He's put on television is basically doing a Mark Madden. I'm a real journalist gimmick. A lot of people liked it, but I thought he was getting in the way. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot more of Livewire is planted than Dave was aware of. As some, but probably not most of the calls that are supposed to be from fans are planted. As if you notice, the calls are usually about the subject that a particular segment is talking about. No. Anyway. Dave does know of several calls that were supposed to be fans that were planted, but also they were very quick to hang up on people before asking a second question. So they are afraid of the non-plant callers asking questions they don't want to address or making silly remarks. Also this week, Paul Heyman called up as Bruce from Connecticut, and Sonny reacted as if it was their brother-in-law, which I guess if Skip, Zip and Skip are brothers, if you mix wrestling storyline with reality that they are main to, prone to do, then yeah, Bruce from Connecticut would be Sonny's brother-in-law. <laughs> um, so as he's put here, as if in that entire state, there was only one person named Bruce. He yelled at Vince McMahon saying he was copying all his ideas from him and screamed, shut the F up. So he didn't swear on television as the cue to be cut off. 
More from Livewire. Jim Ross called and blamed Vince McMahon for his Bell's palsy because of the stress McMahon put him through. <laughs> and this was after a se- section where McMahon and Vic Venom were congratulating the WF for being the only organisation to have the guts to hire someone with Bell- Bell's palsy <laughs> and put them on television. As Dave's Be put, a star. As Dave's put here, the show remains bad largely due to the quality of the questions and subjects being discussed. At one point, they mistakenly showed the computer screen as Sonny was talking about how the conversation in the chat room was favouring Vic Venom over McMahon. And then when they showed the screen, all that was on there were comments apparently from little kids saying things like, Hi, Sonny. I love you, Sonny. And I'm glad you dumped Skip. (laughs) (laughs) Which is quite cute. That is adorable. But... A couple of weeks into Livewine, WWF have already WWF'd it. They just... Sounds incredible. Even here, where they've got nothing to lose and they're on the back foot, they are so paranoid, I think is the word I always use about WWF. They're just paranoid about anyone saying anything bad about them. And it's like, people are going to say bad things about it, just stop trying to dictate the conversation as much. Yeah, if you were to... If you were to be less controlling of the the chat and just let it happen, I think there'd be more respect out there. And also, if you know you've got nothing to hide, then let them ask questions. Exactly. Talking about uh, people with nothing to hide, from all accounts, there is nothing planned on the books regarding interpromotional matches with ECW. (laughs) But it's pretty much a lock that a lot more will take place between the two groups. ECW aired supposed pirated footage from the recent WWF tapings, which will result in the angle to WWF lawyers threatening a lawsuit and heating up the feud that much more. So Paul Heyman getting intertextual here. This is where he shines when given stuff like this. It's like, oh, shh, don't say anything, Paul. He's like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna bend the rules and the law as much as I can. <laughs> like this past, this past week in the real world, we've had Rob Van Damme and AEW using Walk by Pantera, which I didn't think I'd ever see him come into the ring to walk again. And as someone put it's like, yeah, but this is the first time that Pantera have been paid for it because Paul Heyman would just be like, have that. Good that. <laughs> <laughs> they got a check through the post. What's this? Oh, it's a royalties check from the wrestling. What? What do you mean? Well, when they play your theme tune, you get paid. Hey, since when? That's not what Paul told us. <laughs> Paul gave us these beans, <laughs> Pantera beans. He said. Talking of they Pantera grow a beans, bean stock. What do you say? Tom, that was terrible. Hang your head in shame. The Axe Man is back. Do you want some WCW news? I would I'd sacrifice my own firstborn for some WCW news right now. Poor little Scott Campbell. Um, <laughs> Poor little Alan Campbell. We've got a few bits here. Obviously, yourself and um, Sam the Shredder to Driver will cover this in more detail on the Nitro um, podcast. But these are some chunky bits we've got coming. So Ric Flair is expected to be out the rest of the year drawn, uh, due to a torn rotator cuff, which needs surgery. He was originally scheduled for an operation on October the 3rd in Birmingham, Alabama, but WCW wanted him to get a second opinion from one of their own doctors, who also recommended surgery, which was expected to take place sometime this week. So he's had shoulder pop problems for most of the year. The injury got so bad, it put him on the shelf after a September 21 match in Tokyo against Kensuke Sasaki, which must have hurt. An angle was done on October 7th, Nitro, with Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Six, and the Giants supposedly beat him up with a baseball bat so um 
brilliant one. The, the way he's, he's described it here is like, the only bit where they lit up the dressing room studio lights visible, Flair was on the ground writhing in pain, Elizabeth and woman were in the background almost in tears, a baseball bat was, was around along with the NWO members. Before the surgery was performed, it was believed that Flair would require about three months off post-surgery before he could return. Uh, Flair will be 48 in February, and Dave's like thinking, oh, you know, they'll probably use him as more of an attraction going forward. They won't have Flair week in, week out. You know, he's getting on, blah, 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 blah. And as we all know, Ric Flair's a psychopath. And he's like, no, I, no, no. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrestle every week, apart from this one week that I'm gonna dip out of town and call Eric Bischoff a twat, and then Eric Bischoff's <laughs> gonna call me a twat, and then we're gonna have a fight. Uh, but so yeah, Dave's thinking that Flair will be more likely used as a manager or leader of the of a horseman type group upon his return. So we'll wait and see. Mm, interesting times for Flair. You say you said that woman and Liz were crying. I, I imagine we haven't got to it yet on the night review. Woman will be screaming and crying, and Liz will just be kind of stood there. Yeah, Liz will be like, "Oh, <laughs> we've just gone past an episode of Nitro where Jimmy Hart referred to Elizabeth as that mannequin there." <laughs> Acting and being isn't really Liz's strong suit at this point. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I did okay. in in the fabled managers list. I said that the the strengths of Miss Elizabeth were the fact that in such a cartoony world next to lunatics like Hogan and Macho Man. She stood out by just being just a normal, nice woman. <laughs> just there, just like, yeah. And if I was like, oh, I love Liz. She's great. <laughs> Vic Venom was watching going, bro, one day I'm going to gonna make her my girlfriend on television and make her take a top off. <laughs> Is that what you wear for him? Take it off. You look like trash. You trash. Right. Talking of trash. October 7th. <laughs> This is mean, actually, because he's your mate. Jeff Jarrett debuted Yay! beating Hugh Morris. So Jarrett looked good, did a good babyface interview, although he worked heel style. The announcers hinted that he was coming in for the NWO, but apparently the plan is for him to replace Flair in the Four Horsemen. I'm using my clairvoyant powers and they kind of shit the bed. Uh, <laughs> so much so that I forgot he was in WCW at this time. He has been in all the factions. He just Jeff. ping pongs, yeah, because he was NWO 2000. He was in Before Horsemen for a cup of coffee, and then, oh, God, everywhere. Four Horsemen, NWO, yeah. Call It Club. Shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the NWA. <laughs> the NWA, yeah. Fortune. Yeah. Immortal. Yeah. Um, Planet, Planet Jarrett. Jarrett. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Global Force Wrestling. Yeah. Uh, and whatever the the one he's in in AEW now is called, uh, Jarrett and his lovely friends get pops because they're great. That's Jarrett what they're called. And his lovely friends. So it's something that you might not cover on Nitro during the broadcast on this week, October seventh on Nitro. WWF bought two commercials in most of the country. The first airing at eight fifty six, telling viewers to make the switch to Raw, and also one for the pay per view. Um, uh, second commercial at 9.45 trying to get them to switch into the final quarter hour of Raw and as Dave's put the Buried Alive pay-per-view commercials were awesome um, but he's put the make the switch to Raw advert was all for naught as WCW did a 3.5 rating of 5.4 share to Raw's 2.1 and 3.0 um, yeah so they, they, they've you know 
shot for the fences here and it's not worked. Apparently the uh, the eight thirty advert was um just British Bulldog just sweating, looking straight down the camera going, Put Roar on Put it on and <laughs> for thirty seconds. Go on. Yeah. Put <laughs> Roar on. Go on. Put put, put put Roar on. Put it on. Just put it on yet. Yeah. Put it on. Put Roar on. Don't and watch then, the news, it's boring. <laughs> and then the next one is him going, Please put Roar on. <laughs> Go on. Please. Go to bed soon. Go to bed. Something good might happen. I'm on the other. Put the other one on, please. Talking of uh, bad things happening. To good people. There is becoming more and more behind the scenes heat in WCW in the whole Nash and Hogan camp, not to mention the disenchantment of those not in the camp. Now, this is a bit rich. Nash and Hall are tired of playing background vocals to Hogan, which is fair, but they're also mad about the money Hogan is making. Mm. <laughs> now, lads, while we know I don't think time... he's making enough. <laughs> like, obviously, we know this is the early days of the NWO. They're going to go through the stratosphere. But at this time, to be mad of the money that Hulk Hogan is making as the top heel in all of wrestling, when you are Diesel, who is having to wash the Diesel stink off and raise your mouth, it's like, yeah, Hogan has definitely earned that money lads you've got to step up now and show that you've got to you know earn those contracts I'm not saying that the work's crap but if this was 1998 and they were pissed off about the money Hogan was uh, making fair enough but a couple of months into the NWO run pipe down a bit lads I guess because they came into the company under the idea that they would be leading this renegade group and instead, as you say, they're playing background vocals, background yeah. vocals to Hogan. So kind of Hogan's come in and supplanted himself front and center of this brand new hot angle. And they probably feel a little bit like, hang on, this was going to be our thing. Why is he here? Yeah. Like, well, I, I can understand about the bit playing second fiddle to Hogan, but not about making money. It's still Hulk Hogan. He, he, he puts butts in seats, brother. Love him or hate him. At a proper moment where... Um, the the old school wrestling caught my uh, caught me off guard because we watched we did a retro reactions to WCW Roadwild Hogwild '96 the other week. Mm, yeah, you can listen to on the podcast feed. And um, it's the after Hogan wins the now NWO World Title, Booty Man comes out in an NWO shirt, and we were watching it. I was going, was he the fourth guy? I don't remember. I don't remember him being. He brings out a cake for Hogan. I'm like, when did he turn? He never turned heel. Anyway, the segment ends with everyone beating the shit out of him. It's like, oh, okay, <laughs> okay, that's fine. But in general, but Jay was like, was he iffy? No, okay, he wasn't. Oh God, the the NWO like, how is it held up? Like the spray painting of the NWO belt on that? Are they starting to get cooking, or is Nitro still a bit of a slog? Um, Hog Wild was a slog. Jesus Christ, that was a that was I don't know what it was. We watched that whole event and we were just knackered by the end of it. Just a heavy night. We've just so Hogan's just won the world title and uh, we've had uh, the Nitro after, which feels a bit more like it's starting to cook now, yeah. especially. Uh, we've had some decent angles in and around it, but it's it's we're getting to a very uh, a very spicy point. Oh, very very nice. Spicy point. Talking of spice, let's go to IWA Japan. Yes. 
So on October the 3rd, IWA Japan owner Kishu Asano announced the group will be running its final tour and will close up after October 12th. Um, so this is what we're seeing. The deathmatch bubble has burst, basically. FMW aren't quite doing the numbers they once were because Anita, I think Anita's stepped back and they're trying to build Hayabusa at this point. IWA Japan, just a year ago, they had 29,000 for the King of the Deathmatch show. And now, just a little over a year later, they're going, we're done, lads, we're done. So, it's a, it was a wild time in the 90s, I'm just going to say that. Oh, it's, well, the Deathmatch wrestling scene, it disappeared. It's it's certainly around still to this day. Um, Clint Margera on Desert Island Graps on Wednesday, if you want to hear from uh, a Deathmatch guy who's doing what great things. What a guy, what a pro, what a pro. Uh, and he's out, he's about to take on like one of the the, the biggest deathmatch tournaments in all of Australia, so that's exciting. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's it was certainly felt at like the end of an era for that style in at this point. Yeah, uh, and and it will be a while till we see its likes again. Yeah, because FMW will keep rolling on. I think ninety eight. I want to say they start tearing it down, so they they still have a couple of death matches, but not as many as it was. They'll still have Big Japan, who is still going strong today. Uh, CZW will launch up in like 2002, three. So, yeah, but as opposed to those early 90s for FMW where they were drawing like 40, 50,000 was just insane, absolutely insane. So, some ECW bits, like I told you, it's, it's a chunky week. Good, I like it. ECW bits, the Sandman regained the ECW heavyweight title in what apparently was a last minute decision in a tag match to headline the October 5th show at the ECW Arena. It was meant to be Sandman and Dreamer versus Raven and Brian Lee. The stipulations were Sandman would have to take 10 lashes with the cane if he was pinned. Beulah would have to leave ECW if Tommy Dreamer was pinned. Raven would lose the title to whoever pinned him. And if Brian Lee was pinned, he'd have to get his head shaved. The match had to be changed at the last minute due to personal problems involving Raven, which are expected to keep him out of action for an undetermined length of time, believed to be around a few weeks. Uh, so this had all come to head a previous day. I haven't looked into what this is. I know, obviously, Raven will have his issues with substance abuse at some point. I don't know if that's what this is. Um, so with a combination of both the champion missing the show and the challenges in the tag title match, which was meant to be the Rock and Roll Express, also no showing for reasons unclear at press time, Heyman figured he'd have to give the sellout crowd of about 1,200 something extra to make up for it, gave them a previously unplanned title change. So Stevie Richards subbed in for Raven. So it was Sandman and Tommy Dreamer versus Stevie Richards and Brian Lee. Uh, the Raven stipulations st- stay the same. Sandman pinned Richards after a DDT to capture the world title. Uh, and then Tommy Dreamer got chokeslammed off a stage through four tables and hurt his bum. Um, and hurt his expr- bum. Yeah, well, of course you would. You did. Your bum wouldn't. You? Um, <laughs> it doesn't say that it's hurt his bum. That's just me editorializing because it would hurt your bum. <laughs> The Rock and Roll Express were never actually announced on television, um, but they missed the show. So Paul Heyman wound up with two tag title matches on the show instead. First, the gangsters went to a no contest with Stevie Richards and Blue Meanie, who were dressed up like Public Enemy and called Flyboy Stevie, Stevie and Meanie Grunge. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Eliminators in, in, interfered, got other advertised title shot later in the show and lost. But after the match, Perry Saturn put a table on the top rope and a ladder on top of the table and came off the top doing a fist drop on each gangster just because Perry Saturn could. <laughs> the reason I've put all this in, because not only is ECW's getting hot, it's a world title change, it's newsworthy. Mm. 
To explain from a storyline standpoint the temporary absence of Raven, they did a post-show angle in the hotel room that will air on television next week where they have a press conference for Sandman winning the belt. And at the event, Stevie Richards comes out and they explain that Sandman has filed custody papers to try and get Tyler back. And that when Raven found out, he skipped the country with his young boy and both are now nowhere to be found. (laughs) So... Some incoming faces that Paul Heyman is thinking about using. He's thinking about bringing in Rod Price, Tommy Rogers, and Lance Storm. So no deal has been made as of yet. And this other bit I've put in just because this will be out of context. And as out of context, this is an amazing, amazing line. The erotic experience is supposed to be doing a chicken act and not a gay act. I'll leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> do you not hate it when you try and do a chicken act and it gets mistaken for something a, a bit very different? If it gets mistaken for a gay act. Yeah. But just what a line. Just only wrestling. Oh, the erotic experience. Oh, he's a chicken. Okay. The erotic experience is a chicken. Okay. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> so. I've got two that answers that asks more questions than answers. I'll be perfectly honest. Exactly. More next week. There won't be more next week, but more next week. <laughs> got some sad USWA news here. So a combination of a poor lineup, the general lack of talent, and a Thursday night show combined on October 3rd to draw the smallest crowd, perhaps in the history of Memphis Weekly Wrestling. Oh. 372 fans turned up to the USWA paying 1800 so the headline match was a stretcher match where Brian Christopher and Brickhouse Brown and Wolfie D beat Bill and Jamie Dundee and Jerry Lawler Lawler when Jesse James Armstrong interfered and powerbombed Jamie Dundee through a table and he was carried out so this is a week after the USWA's general manager Randy Hales walked out so we know with hindsight it's, it's not long left what a shame yeah they have debuted a new character called Sean Venom the gimmick is that Venom Vic's is friends. Brother. It's Vic's brother, yeah. And he's mates with Jake Roberts uh, because he's tired of what Jerry Lawler has been saying about Jake Roberts. This led to some hilarious byplay as, Jim, as Jerry Lawler came out and said that if he was a friend of Roberts, his real job must be as a bartender. And said that he'd bet that both he and Roberts probably think Beethoven's fifth is a bottle. Right. There's no escaping. Jerry Lawler, it seems. He's everywhere. He's, uh, you know, it's just, it's almost as if like all that time on Raw on commentary just isn't enough for him to get his gags in. Let's keep it yeah. going all the way on to another promotion with 12 people watching. <laughs> Talking to 12 people watching, I've got some bollocks for you and then we can finally get into Raw. Yes, Queen. So we've got uh, two bits of bollocks and then a bonus bit. So the first bit of bollocks, Bruno Sammartino apparently just recently got hold of the Luthez autobiography and was fuming with Fez's characterization of him. Actually, Fez said that he respected San Martino as a person and complimented him on being a stand-up guy. But also said, because it's Lou Fez, that San Martino was totally overrated as a wrestler and talked about the proposed 1965 NWA vs. WWF title unification match, which never took place between the two, and spoke as if beating San Martino in a shoot wouldn't have been any problem. Of all things, it was the latter which San Martino was furious about. Now, Bruno San Martino, legend, Barrel-chested man, lived a very hard life, escaped war-torn Italy and all that. Luthez would have kicked the fuck out of him. <laughs> let's not let's not mince words. 
famous shooter Luthez, known for breaking people's legs and arms when they wouldn't do business, would have tied him up in knots. No disrespect to Bruno Sammartino. I think you I know you're you're right, to be fair. And there's no diss to Bruno, who I'm just imagining just sat on the toilet reading Thez's book going, whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> smoke <laughs> billowing out of his ears. Adding him to his list of enemies, like Vince McMahon, <laughs> Luthez. Valerie, get my wall pen. <laughs> We're adding another name. Sausages for tea, thank you. Hooking his braces back on his trousers and marching downstairs. No, this not on the main wall, darling. It's the war wall now. Is it S Z or Z S? It doesn't matter. He's a bastard. I'm writing Luke bastard. Uh, Next to more... Vince bastard. Vince bastard. That's <laughs> Mick McCarthy. Oh, Mick McCarthy. Next to Vince bastard. bastard. Bit more bollocks for you. It is expected that a deal will be signed this week for the first major American pro wrestling star to participate in a shoot match. So Bam Bam Bigelow is expected to sign this week to fight Kimo Leopoldo in the main event of the U Japan inaugural show on November 17th at the Tokyo Bay Ariaki Coliseum. Spoiler, Kimo will beat the fuck out of him because it's Kimo and he's nails. I was going to um, say. So Kimo versus Bam Bam. So, in other Bam Bam news, I could have included this earlier, but I wanted to round it off. Bam Bam Bigelow debuted in ECW on October 7th and pinned Terry Gordy in what was described as a bad match when the Eliminators interfered. So, a storied run for Bam Bam Bigelow coming up. And that's all the news. Two hours into this. Bam Bam versus Bam Bam to end the wrestling news. Yeah. Nice. Bloody big Bam 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 Bam. Loser loser has a shit turn in WWF. Loser goes to bed, rock empty handed. <laughs> oh, my back. I'm going to lean back in my chair and enjoy this, the rest of this podcast. Lean back in your pterodactyl chair. Thank you. Have have your uh, Triceratops use his horn to open a can and then look at the camera and go, it's a living. <laughs> you think you got a bad job. <laughs> you got a bad job. I, li- I like Says the, the hedgehog that... who's there to, to, to brush Fred, Fred Flintstone's bollocks. I like the fact that like all these animals and dinosaurs getting abused in bedrock were like from fucking Brooklyn. Which is <laughs> like they were they were all Vince Russo. Hey bro, <laughs> let me tell you something. How it really works as opposed to all the dirt sheets, bro. Why didn't they unionize? Because they saw what happened to Jimmy Hoffa Rock. <laughs> They saw what they saw what happened to Jimmy Hoffa Rock's toaster. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't want to end up like him. I'll just, brush, I'll clean your bollocks, Fred. It's just this little fire breathing dragon that they hold bread in front of, and when he said, you know, more workers' rights, they just punched him repeatedly until he died. <laughs> hey Bonnie, pick us up a new dragon when you go into town. Oh, oh, oh okay, Fred. <laughs> Better keep my mouth shut. <laughs> well, must leave in me, Barney. <laughs> oh, oh, my uncle's house burnt down. Uh, <laughs> Fred and Barney did well because, you know, w- w- Wilmer and Betty could have done far better than those geez, pair of clowns. Those two fuckers are punching. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Swear to God. 
And they, and they, you know, and, you know, they were lazy assholes. We all saw the cigarette advert where Fred's like, hey, I'm going to smoke round the house, Barney. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I you'd got go black with lung, Barney. You'd go with Betty, but your heart would be crying out for Wilma. I'd be thinking of Wilma. Hey, Fred, don't smoke too many of them. You'll end up breathing through a tube like Rock Lesnar down the road. <laughs> Can we do Raw now before we go insane? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Fred. Okay. <laughs> you think you waffle on? Yeah. <laughs> Is waffle making it to the platypus? <laughs> <laughs> it's a platypus with a waffle-shaped tail. <laughs> At least I get weekends off. <laughs> Workers' rights! Shut the fuck up! What's what? <laughs> What's the name of the guy who runs the RTU? Well, Mick Lynch. <laughs> I was thinking of a of a, a Don't you go talking to Rock Lynch over there? <laughs> well, they're not working because you know there's, they're not paid to do the roles they do. Yeah, but don't you think it's silly, Rocklitch, that they, you know, <laughs> we got to make bagels. Yes, but they also need to earn more money and they deserve that right. Yeah, but what about all the bagels that don't get made? Do you ever think <laughs> of that, you shit? <laughs> Rocklitch just doesn't crack under pressure. He's, he's, he's a good man, is Rocklitch. I love Rocklitch. <laughs> just stoic faced, answers the questions clear and concise, pisses everyone off. I love Rocklitch. He's great. Anyway, I don't. I think he's a prick. Um, <laughs> Raw, October <Hey>. 7, <laughs> 1996. We get a recap of Vader beating Shawn Michaels, and according to Todd Bettingill, Vader now wants the title. Of course he does. Also tonight, how will Goldust play mind games with Psycho Sid, who's already lost his mind? We'll find out in our main event. Plus, we meet the real Double J. And we share, quote, a musical scandal that rocked the World Wrestling Federation. We cut to a studio shot of Jesse James singing Alone With My Baby Tonight with co-conspirator Jim Johnston. Oh. The coolest member of the DX band. The best member of the DX band. Uh, we get a quick little shot of uh, Jesse James singing a cappella Alone With My Baby Tonight. Uh, and then he ends it by saying, Jeff, eat your heart out. And then does a really wet sniff. <laughs> that was something I observed. I like the, like the fact they could have easily cut that or muted that. And they were just like, no, no, he's raw. He's real. The kids like that. They muted it later. But for this bit, they kept it in. Bloody hell. Randomly. Kevin Dunn. <laughs> Fireworks start with raw. Uh, and Kevin Kelly and Jerry Lawler at ringside. Jim Ross is supposed to be there, but they don't know where he is. Anyway, on an unrelated note, Big Daddy Cool Diesel's in the opening match. I say that with bunny rabbit ears. And he's facing in a non-title match, Intercontinental Champion Mark Marrow. Here's Diesel coming to the ring to meet Marrow. And Jim Ross is with him. What are you doing there? (laughs) Jerry Lawler and Kevin Kelly are baffled and jim ross seems to be strategizing with diesel before joining lawler and kelly at commentary how do you feel about jim ross being a manager um no it's a no in it just let him be a commentator he's quite good (laughs) let him talk what a wild idea 
Diesel beats Mero up in the corner until Mero drop kicks him to the floor and hits a splash over the top. But then Diesel power is in full effect. He lands a military press and a choke does Glenn Nash. Uh, well, and choking him out on the ropes whilst Kevin Kelly and Jerry Lawler are grilling Jim Ross about some dodgy deals he's doing, uh, as well as the investigation that Vince McMahon is holding into Jim Ross. Jim ain't sweating it, though. He says this isn't, quote, an outsider deal. <laughs> See what you did there? He says he's creating a competitive sports entertainment environment where the fans are the winners. And that's why he's negotiating deals within the company, apparently. <laughs> Cut to picture in picture of Razor Ramon. And now we've seen, we've seen him in the ring. We've seen him wrestling. But for some reason, he looks even worse close up in picture in picture. Rick Bogner looks like if they did a spitting image of Razor Ramon. <laughs> yeah. And then this is before he's even opened his mouth. <laughs> and then he opens his mouth and says that Diesel ain't doing so bad but he's going to take a closer look, which means that Razor Ramon, a.k.a. Rick Bogner, is going to head to the ring in a bit, I would guess. Back from the break, a diesel steamrolls Mero after a victory roll. Out comes Razor Ramon as Mero starts gaining some momentum. He teases going for the bad day onto Diesel, but instead he hits the somersault sent on onto Razor instead. Stitch that, Jimmy. Razor, livid, gets in the ring, and he and Diesel double-team Mero for the disqualification. Sable is screaming for them to stop and she's crying her eyes out, bless her. And Diesel doesn't care. Lands a jackknife powerbomb. They leave happy with their work as Sable sobs onto the prone body of Mero. How did we feel about the new Diesel's uh, grand day out here? So, I've, I've mixed feelings because I thought that Kane, I'm just, I've just written Kane in my notes because it's easier than writing Diesel. Um, he did a good job of wrestling like Kevin Nash, like doing the elbows and the corner and the knee lift and stuff. He wrestled like him. At one point as well, Kevin Kelly kind of puts him over saying, oh, he, he, he does look really good. You can tell WWF at this point looking at him thinking, we want something to stick with this guy. We just haven't found it yet. Kevin um, Kelly's words exactly were, he's better than I remember. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So, it, which is both a little dig at Kevin Nash and a little bumping up with Glenn Jacobs. I did think he looked a bit like Ron Mayle from Sparks on Supersteroids. <laughs> um, I've, I've dubbed this fake Diesel and Razor the, the Gout Siders. Um, <laughs> but um, the match itself was... <laughs> the Gout Siders. <laughs> I thought the match itself was all right. Um, they Mark do Mer look like they've got gout. Oh, definitely. Especially <laughs> Rick Bogner looks like he's been like, oh, I've been up all night eating salami and now my foot's dead. <laughs> Drinking too much port. <laughs> what am I going to do with this cheese and meat? I'm going to carve it. it up. Oh. <laughs> um, I thought... Another like mixed feeling I had about this. I thought Mark Merrow looks strong until the beatdown, but he's an Intercontinental Champion. He should be above getting beat down by what are essentially jokes. Like I'm trying to think who else in that mid card could have been a foil for this, who people care enough about, but could take either a loss or a beatdown. But I don't think they're trying to genuinely position them as jokes. 
No, I think when they recorded it, they didn't. But I think from now on, because they know that the gimmick's a bit crap. Mm. So, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's hindsight talking, but it, it, it was it was all right. It was all right. What did you think? I, 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 I do genuinely think that they are playing the roles very well. Like, they're mm. lampooning Diesel and Razor very well. And we should know that because here in the UK, we're very proud of our heritage of tribute wrestlers. So we've got a good gauge for this sort of thing. They would not be out of place at Pontins. Um, but they, I, I thought that, I thought that it was fine. I feel like that whilst they do want to position Diesel to be strong, I feel like Kevin Nash wouldn't have taken half the shit that Mark Merrow gave him. No, definitely not. He certainly, he certainly bumped a lot more for Mark Merrow than maybe Kevin Nash would have done. <laughs> Yeah, because he did the he did the not the cane bump, but the cane bump where he took a clothesline and did the backwards roll over the top rope and out to the floor. Kevin Nash would never do that. No, even if you gave him ten million dollars, you'd be like, "Fuck off!" No, exactly. So yeah, and I think that yeah, the the DQ finish doesn't hurt Mero. Uh, Mero gets double teamed and left in the dust. So that kind of you know at least he doesn't get beaten down by one person. He's been beaten down. By yeah. Two. I just think in hindsight, the kind of idea of being like, oh, your new Intercontinental Champion's been beaten down by, you know, fake Diesel and fake Razor sounds more damning now than it did at the time, possibly. It's a depressing time. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Undertaker is in the graveyard next. He's digging a big old hole for a big old soul. Maybe we'll see a big old mole. (laughs) Mankind, my work here is nearly at an end. He's been digging a hole for three weeks. As is your existence here on Earth. All that's left to do is fill this grave with your rotting, maggot-infested carcass. You won't have a nice day, and you sure won't rest in peace. Nice bit. Simple. Yeah. 
Fine. I think Fine. I don't know whether they made this the buried alive commercial, but it would have made a good buried alive commercial. Yeah, it, it's it was shot well. The vocabulary, I know he's ov- obviously been like rotting flesh and all that, but even I went, oh, rotten, rotten maggot infested carcass. That's a bit, oh, that's a bit horrible, isn't it? While you're having your tea watching Raw, <laughs> <laughs> whilst you're having your uh, your your T Rex T bone steak. <laughs> <laughs> the new and improved rockers are out announced by the fink as the new and improved rockers mm. i always remember them being the new rockers not the new and improved rockers yeah um as they're entering and hot dogging and grandstanding sid is doing a picture in picture gold dust it's simple tonight you dance with the devil and the game we play i am the master of and you will find out my friend that i am the ruler and then maddening childlike laughter from sid <laughs> Doing his Charlie Chuck face. I, I've always loved the um, catchphrase, I'm the master and ruler of the world. You're just like, fuck yeah. That's it's boss. great, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'm just the best at all things. Uh, we don't get the match just yet because we have a promo for Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, and Bret Hart. And my brain went, is this the first triple threat match on a house show? Or oh, no, we did that the other day. Can't be. Yeah. Uh, the, the voiceover goes, the man, the myth, the legend, the shirts. That's right. Get yourself a denim T-shirt with either Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, or Bret Hart printed on the back. Surprise your friends and use your enemies. Forty-nine dollars each. Send a check to the uh, to the number on your screen. <laughs> Call now. Um, kind of want one because you'd be able to sell that today for loads as well. Oh, you'd make a mint, wouldn't you? Yeah. You would. Yeah. Uh, incidentally, when we did Road Wild or Hog Wild, they were selling uh, WCW. Uh, biker jackets for the 1996 price of $90. Wow. Which due to inflation, that made it like 170 quid, like modern money. Like, what? No Madness. way. Madness. We get a promo for Mr. Perfect and his impending in-ring return. Shots of his classic vignettes, which apparently took thousands of attempts to, to, to take to get it right first time. Um, and it's a, you know what? It's a, it's a trend that never dies. You watch those TikToks now of somebody who does the trick shot in one, but you know they've done it 180,000 times to get it yeah. just right. So it's a trend that lives on. We also get him landing perfect plexus on all sides of opponents. And we get right up to his modern day entrepreneurialism of stealing women for his wife, mine. Two weeks from tonight, Mr. Perfect returns to the ring and says, Jim Ross, like the NBA return of Michael Jordan. Perfect coming back. I think in this era feels like a, like a big return for the WWF. Yeah, and this was good at reintroducing him to members of the audience who might not have seen him wrestle. So how long has it been since he wrestled? Two two years at least? Uh, he Maybe. was on Raw. He was definitely on Raw in 1993. Yeah. So it's been at least... Oh, yeah, because Loser Leaves Town with Flair, wasn't it? Mm. Which ironically saw Perfect leaving town. Yeah. Eventually. Uh, the new rockers are facing the smoking guns without Sonny. Uh, we get a picture and picture of a pre-recorded chat with the smoking guns. Bart wants the WWF tag team titles back from Owen Hart and our boy Davey uh, buried alive. However, Billy wants Sonny back more than anything. Uh, we have Sonny on the phone saying it's clear that the guns still want her, even if Bart is playing hard to get. And she says that if they win the titles at buried alive, she'll consider taking them back. 
JR then reveals that joining Sonny on Livewire this coming weekend will be... <laughs> Ahmed Johnson! Sonny is livid. She demands extra security because she won't be responsible for her actions if he tries anything. Oh, yeah. I'm also nervous about how people on the phone will be able to understand Ahmed Johnson because with a crystal clear audio feed, it's still very difficult. Right here, baby. <laughs> Thanks, Ahmed. Yes, thank you. That cost me 20 quid. <laughs> Sonny flirts with the fans a little bit more through the camera uh, and then gets them to say and says to her, hey, you don't have to wait till Saturday to email or fax me. You can ring me or you can fax me all week long on my personal fax number, 1888-WWF-FAX1. <laughs> or you can email, uh, quote, WWF-L-I-V-W-I-R-E at AOL.com. Livewire. Oh, did she spell it wrong, did she? Spelled it wrong, bless her. <laughs> uh, she went a bit long on this call as well. Because uh, did you get Kevin Kelly apologising, basically? Yeah, for not calling the wrestling action and saying that if he'd interrupted us, somebody would have kicked off. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin, bless him, just there to do a job. And he's being held up by storyline and, and story conjecture. Yeah. Sonny then reveals that Jerry Lawler sends her flowers every week, which isn't creepy in the slightest. <laughs> Billy makes an aggressive tag into the match. Uh, and they kind of sell this as him and being annoyed with Bart's average performance and his intensity in wanting to get Sonny back in their corner at Buried Alive. Yeah. The only, th- the only person that loves themselves more than Sonny, says Jim Ross, is Vince McMahon. Just randomly blurted out there. Yeah, yeah, and King and Kevin were just like, Jim, fuck's sake, mate. What are you on about? <laughs> now, they talk about the investigation that Vince McMahon has going on. And, and Jer- Jerry Lawler says, so far in this investigation, they have discovered that Jim Ross is the vice president in charge of the wrestling administration. Now, I-, I think I know what Jerry Lawler meant, but it sounds like he's saying that nobody in the company knew that was his role until they did a top, <laughs> top investigation. Oh, we've just realised that he's a VP. Where, where does Jim keep going? He keeps disappearing into that shady office that says vice president on the door. Don't know what it means. <laughs> he also has an ironclad contract and an expense account. Mm. Jerry Lawler says it's lonely at the top but you do eat better just spends all that money on beef jerky and porn (laughs) don't we all (laughs) Jerry Lawler also reveals that next week on Raw he's wrestling yay he's facing Mm. Jake Roberts however it may not happen as Jake has fallen off the wagon JR says has Jake pulled a Kelsey grammar it's, yeah, a bit tasteless, that, wasn't it? Yeah, so this is in relation to the, the story that Kelsey Graham is in the news for in the last week or so. He was in, he crashed his Dodge Viper whilst intoxicated, and he ended up checking into the Betty Ford Clinic for 30 days, did our Frasier. Bloody hell. Have you ever read about Kelsey Graham's life? It's fucking tragic. It's a really <laughs> fucking wild ride. God love yeah. him. Yeah. But Frasier's fun. Fraser's fun. He's back with Rodney soon. Oh, Fraser. I can't wait for Fraser and Rodney. I'm counting the days. Rodney. Fro- <laughs> hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Get the suitcase from the van. 
<laughs> right on. We got David Bowie LPs and some crap we got from Japan. <laughs> <laughs> no income tax, VAT, and <laughs> Hokey no. Street and Hokey Street. <laughs> Dun, dun. Thank you, Peckham. Um, yeah. <laughs> Coffee instead of gravy all over my plate. What is a boy to do? It's a really obscure Fools and Horses reference. <laughs> right. This match goes on for fucking ages. Uh, back and forth to minimal reaction from the live crowd. They barely even bother to sweeten it because they're heel teams fighting each other. Yeah. That was my first thing when they came out. I was like, so are the guns face now because they got rid of Sonny or are these, is the improvement of the new rockers that they've become good boys? It was, it was heel versus heel. Basically. Yeah. Uh, Billy pulls Leaf Cassidy's leg when he's bouncing off the ropes, which is enough to leave him prone for a sidewinder and the one, two, three, uh, mm. the smoking guns win. See you at buried alive where you will face, uh, Owen Hart and our boy Davey for the tag team titles. Good luck lads. You're going to need, off we go now to Jim Johnston's studio. So Jim Johnston, this is a, a very rare TV appearance for the man behind some of the greatest wrestling music of all fucking time. Yeah. He just. Like, Favourite Jim Johnston theme, go. Oh, um, I always had a soft spot. I don't know how much of it was Jim Johnston. I always liked D'Lo Brown's theme. Um, was it Danger at the Door? Yeah, danger, like the danger though. Obviously, it's the um, it's the Undertaker theme, like the the metal one that comes in, which I think is the best WWF theme. It's that, or it's My Time by Triple H. I think. Ooh, My Time is pretty class. Just just in terms of how good they are. Obviously, like Austin's is more iconic and stuff like that. But in terms of like listening to it and thinking about the era of the character, yeah, that Undertaker theme and. Yeah, when Triple H gets my time, that's for me is when both wrestlers are at their peak. I think Ultimate Warriors music is one that just I think it's it's an obvious answer, but it's so iconic and it so perfectly matches the energy of Warrior. Yeah. I think it's well, excellent. So therefore you must also really like the Rockers theme tune because it's the same song. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. By default, I also like the Rockers theme tune. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before he was in the WWF, he did soundtracks for um, animated and industrial films. Wow. I, I, sadly, I couldn't find a list of the things that he made, uh, but it was for HBO and it was for Showtime as well. And in, he was just happened to be living in Connecticut where he met a WWF art director, Brian Penry. And he wasn't a fan of wrestling, wasn't into it at all but he was very liked within sort of the art industry so brian said come and have a chat with vince and the rest was history yeah one of the most important signings in wf history i'd argue i would say so as well yeah i think that's yeah and i think that sounds like a, a wild overstatement but i do believe that it, that he is he's yeah. up there and even people to this day are still campaigning for him to be in the hall of fame I don't know why he's not. I don't know whether something's gone on. He must have fallen out with someone. Yeah, he's hurt, he's hurt somebody's feelings. But yeah, I mean, you think about the classics, he, he was fantastic. But I think towards the end of his run, like how, how, how many times can you write 
tracks for wrestlers, if you know what I mean. But by the end, I think the well was a little dry and it was mm-hmm. time to move on. Not from against his talent, just because he, he'd done everything at that point. But yeah, Jim Johnston. I was glad to see him here and actually get his name checked as well by uh, Top Penguin. It's, it's worth, it's nice to see. And again, yeah. very rare TV appearance. Uh, I think he first appeared for the WWF in the in the videotape of Piledriver, the wrestling album. Mm. He introduces girls in cars, which is one of my favorite songs on the album. <laughs> we all love girls in cars. I love girls in cars. I love girls out of cars. But I also love girls when they're on their way to a car. Yeah. And girls getting an Uber. What about girls coming from a car? Ah, fuck them. No. Swivel. We've also seen him. Uh, we also saw him last year as part of the Raw Band. Yes, we did, yeah. Bashing out on the old guitar, playing along with Michael per- Hayes. The only person who thought the Raw Band was cool was Michael Hayes. <laughs> 31 years younger at the time. So weird. Everyone's like, oh, what? These people are so weird. What's the zeitgeist? And just like, well, it's, you know, we're still in the tail end of grunge. We've got Nine Inch Nails. Corn have come out, so new metal's coming. I know. Let's have Doc Hendricks playing air guitar and singing blues classics. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've done it again, Jim Johnston. You and Jimmy Hart cash your checks. Right. So, Jim Johnston's studio, where we reveal that the man behind Jeff Jarrett's hit alone with my baby tonight is Jesse James, a.k.a. the roadie on vocals. Todd Pettingill says it's been 15 months since Jarrett slithered away from the spotlight. A year-long investigation into the scandal seems to finally be at an end as Jesse James sits next to Jim Johnston and gives love to Jeff Jarrett, at which point, as I'm writing my notes, I realize all their names begin with J. He says it took him far, did Jeff Jarrett, but he's nowhere near the world's best singer or entertainer. No chance. Jesse James thinks that God gives people talent and you can't buy rhythm. Eat that, Jarrett. Jesse reveals that Jeff orchestrated shenanigans in his match with Shawn Michaels that night, that fateful night at In Your House, where he lip-synced Jesse James alone with my baby tonight and then defended the title against HBK. Uh, that uh, shenanigan was what led to Jeff Jarrett's downfall and the end of his IC title run. Uh, coming up next week, we'll find out what happened behind the scenes. So we remember that there was a fight between the mm. two. And Jesse James is going to go into it. And before we step away from Jim Johnston's studio, Jesse James says he would welcome Jeff Jarrett back into the WWF so he can carry his bags through the airport. And then goes Road Dog. And that's how he ends. I, did he say Road Dog or Roadie? I heard him say Road Dog. Ah. Well, I should double check that, but I think that might be the first appearance of Road Dog then. Maybe, maybe. How exciting. Thoughts on, the, on the, the reveal of the real Double J? Um... It was okay. Like, I, I I like what the road dog character becomes, but at this time I'm just like, uh, do we really care that a man really sang it for him? If Jeff Jarrett's not here to have the feud with him, then where does this really go from? Um, it was a bit, it was weird mixed messages where he's like, oh, I don't hate Jeff Jarrett. He's a nice fella, but I think that I'm a bit better. Yeah, it was just eh, it didn't it didn't do much for me. What about you? 
it's a story that they've been desperate to do for over a year. Yeah. And I think now that Jeff is, is, as we talked about, on the verge of a WCW debut and a big old push, they've got an opportunity just to stick his head in the mud. So yeah. They're going to do it. Yeah. Can't blame them. I can't either. It's very on brand for them. Backstage, Goldust says, Mother, what's the phrase? Isn't quite herself today. Quoting the movie Psycho. Tells Sid that you are the ruler of the world, but I will rule you. Simple but effective from Goldust. We then get a recap of WWF Live Wire that uh, Jack Atkins talked us through earlier on. Uh, we get clips of Vince saying that JR is disgruntled uh, and tells Justin from Illinois that Bret Hart will be coming back, hopefully, for Survivor Series. Then Sonny throws some shade at Sable, and Vince throws some shade at Mr. Turner's business ethics. So it's a sizzling sizzle reel to watch Live Wire faux show. Yeah, it, the setup of it looks weird because you have like. Vince on one side of the camera, and then I have a Sonny or Cornette there, and it's just Vince Russo, yeah, kind of getting in the way, like Dave Foot, just kind of like there, just like, bro, what, bro, bro, Whoa, New York, what? He was just in the background, wasn't he? Like, yeah. like, like bringing your brother on a on a night out with your mates. And he's just like, yeah, you know hello, yeah, yeah, can I play? Yeah, you're right, yeah. Uh... Back to the ring we go, where Vader and Jim Cornette are getting interviewed by Jim Ross. Cornette thanks Jim publicly for getting Vader into the WWF. This confused Lawler and Kelly as to why the VP of Wrestling Administration would have anything to do with the administration of a wrestler. Baffling, mm. eh? Yeah, I know. Fuck God. Fucking hell, these comms are idiots. JR reveals that we'll get Vader and Psycho Sid in your house buried alive. The winner will face Shawn Michaels at Survivor Series 1996. Cornette Ooh. is fucking fuming. Vader has already beaten Shawn Michaels on Raw and back at International Incident, but never when it counts for the WWF title. Cornette says the WWF is afraid that Vader becoming champion would kill their merchandising because Vader wouldn't do all the silly merch stuff that Shawn does. So they don't want Vader to be champ because they'll lose a lot of money. Cornette does promise, though, that Vader will become the WWF champion at Survivor Series and he'll put Sid away with the move that Sid stole from him, the powerbomb. Mm-hmm. Great promo by Jim. And he had a point as well. He was like, why has Vader got to earn a number one title? Why has he got to earn a shot on the title? He's already battered Sean Lourdes. And I was just kind of like, yeah, you're right, Jim. This is a bit shit, isn't it? <laughs> The best heels are the ones that have a point. Yeah. And and Jim always comes to the table with a point. And yeah, we... the best heels best heels have a point, they just express it like a knobhead. And then that's why you're just like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I was kind of on your side until he started acting the tit. So yeah. <laughs> So your car started pulling my chain. Uh, we get a um, we get a promo for the WWF's New York Weekender, and Lord knows they need a good one. Uh, the the Madison Square Garden show that we just had, as we talked about last week, their lowest performing Madison Square Garden event in history. That's got to yeah. burn, right? Yeah. Luckily, I ooh, I'm getting a bit clairvoyant. I think the WWF are going to be okay going forward. <laughs> I think everything's going to be just fine. Uh, and in this promo, not only are we hyping Survivor Series from Madison Square Garden, but we're hyping the 1996 Hall of Fame Banquet, hey. which will take place at the Marriott in New York City the night before Survivor Series. So we will know more about, you know, I could, I'll could i reveal here in terms of who goes into the Hall of Fame for 1996. Uh, we're going to see the induction of Captain Lou Albano. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Baron Mikel Cicluna. He was a one-time WWF World Tag Team Champion. Uh, and uh, in fact, when did he win that title? Yeah, I'm unfamiliar with the name. I'll have to. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued because I want to get a sense of um, when, like how far it has been since these people won the belts. I can't find him on here. Must be 70s at the very latest then. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to click on his name. Baron Mikel. Uh, he won the WWWF World Tag Team Champions once with King Curtis Iakea. And he won them in 1972. So Ooh. he won them 24 years before. So this would be the equivalent of inducting who they... <laughs> yeah Just who won the... i don't think who won the tag titles for the first time into this would be the equivalent of inducting the dudley boys yeah well in terms of time frame in terms of time frame yeah not in terms of what they've gone on to do in their career because oh, no, of... a... actually that's a very fair shout it's not yeah. this at all uh it would be sean stasiak sean stasiak there we go meet Induct me to the Hall of Fame, you cowards. Uh, Johnny Rods is going in, which is good. Like Johnny Pro- Rods a lot. Killer Kowalski. I was going to say probably more for his training as well because he's trainer of champions, Johnny Rods. Oh, he's 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 been behind the guy. He's been behind like Taz, Tommy Dreamer, uh, the Dudleys, the Dudley, the Dudleys. Yeah. There they are again. Yeah. Um, Masha Slamovich, Big Vito, Wendy Chu, your favourite, trained hey. by uh, Johnny Rods. Did, uh, did he have a hand in training Edge as well? Because I know that was Sweet Daddy Seeky and obviously the other hearts, but I want to say... He's not on my Rod. list. No. He might have done, though. Hmm. Uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley is going to induct Killer Kowalski. Because he trained him, yeah. Hmm. Uh, Bret Hart is inducting Pat Patterson. And uh, Vincent J. McMahon is being inducted into the Hall of Fame posthumously by Vince McMahon's son, Shane. Oh, that's very nice. Very nice, isn't it? That's it. Uh, there'll also be recognised accolades for the Valiant Brothers, Jimmy and Johnny Valiant. I mean, the Valiant Brothers should go in the Hall of Fame because they had quite a few tag title wins as well. They should, yeah. They, them and, uh, and of course, checks notes again, Baron Mikel Kluner. Yes, that household name. Speaking of the Hall of Fame, Bob Backlund and the Iron Sheik bringing out the Sultan. <laughs> oh, my God. Bobby joins the lads on commentary for a very weird couple of minutes. Don't talk to me when I'm talking to the plebeians, says Bob, as he tells one of the fans to, quote, not kaboom me. He's just going off from num- from the very second. He's amazing, Bob Backlund, when he's like this. Kevin Kelly asks for Bob Backlund's thoughts. And Bob says, do you want my comments? Kevin says yes, and Bob goes, okay. And then Bob sits down silently. (laughs) Bonkers, man. He's amazing. The Sultan is facing Aldo Montoya. But, 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 but! We get a promo for next week. What's happening next week, Dan? What's happening next Um, week? A small match next week. Um, It's Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Shawn Michaels. Ah, What? Non-title, because at first I thought this was just a hype package for Stone Cold, and they were like, 
he's vicious, blah, blah, blah. Someday when you batter a twat, you're stone cold. And next week he's against Shawn Michaels. I was like, oh my God, okay, they're going for it. Why not? Shawn um, Michaels versus Steve Austin, both healthy. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> I wonder I wonder if they'll ever wrestle again after this. Who's to say? <laughs> I can't even imagine that. Like seven years from now, Shawn Michaels will fight to keep Austin's job. Yeah. So only seven years from that. Fuck. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Uh, Backland complains that he's now. <laughs> Backland's wearing what seem to be sunglasses on commentary. Well, he puts them on eventually because at first they ask him something and he screams, "What? I can't hear without my glasses on." <laughs> And then when he puts them on, like they're prescription sunglasses. They're and he huge. says the WWF don't like him looking the, the plebeians in the eye, but then reveals the jokes on them because he's got those shade lenses that flip up and expose his eyes. When it first cuts the bob as well, he's got these big sunglasses and the camera comes to him and he just screams down the lens, don't look at me! <laughs> it's brilliant. And it, it, it stays on Bob as he's explaining his glasses and you can see Jerry Lawler trying not to piss himself. He's just going, oh, mm, this is very funny because Bob's being weird. Um, uh, is it funny? It's fucking hilarious. It's amazing. Is it helping the Sultan in any way? No. no. <laughs> I was like, I don't give a fuck about this match. I want to see Bob Backlund being mad as a chicken's ass. That's what I want to see. The Iron Sheik is also out there. I want to reference that because we don't, he doesn't do anything. Does nothing. Anyway, uh, Sultan get, batters Aldo with chokes, a belly to back, and then a camel clutch for the tap out win. And then he chokes Aldo out of the ring. That was the boring wrestling portion of the match. Yeah, it's, uh, I've put it here as well. It's like, no one really cares about this match or the gimmick. This is 1980 shtick and 96. It's limited. It's a bit boring. Like we were saying before with Glenn Jacobs, though, WWF really like Rikishi Fatu. And they're just thinking, oh, well, we want to find a gimmick that sticks for him. And obviously, he'll, I think he'll, oh, my clairvoyant powers are saying he'll do all right as well. <laughs> but Bob Backlund was the highlight of this. And like you said, took all the focus from the in-ring action and did not help us, the Sultan in the slightest. Not in the slightest. Uh, we cut to Mankind in a smoky graveyard and he is distressed. Paul Bearer is trying to talk him down. Mankind doesn't want to be buried alive and Bearer is there going, you won't, you're not going to. Uh, Mankind doesn't want his carcass to rot and he then falls into the grave and has a mild panic attack, but he is soothed by the Undertaker's urn. Now, I believe I've had a Mandela effect here because I could have sworn, we said this a few weeks ago, I could have sworn that Mankind held the urn upside down. Perhaps it was just that one pay-per-view because you ran it on video and watched it a lot. Maybe, maybe. I I, I thought this was really good. Yeah. This was, it was creepy. And Mankind showing his vulnerability that he was a bit scared and freaking out as he was cuddling this urn and called Paul, Uncle Paul. I thought this was really, really, it was horrible, but it was fantastic. <laughs> it is main event o'clock and it's Goldust versus Psycho Sid. Razor Ramon is watching. Remember that feud that Goldust and Razor Ramon had? Kinda. Is yeah. it to do with that? Who knows? Mm. We never see yeah. it again. <laughs> 
the PlayStation Slam of the week is just a compilation of perfect plexes. This annoyed me. I was like, it's not from this week, though, is it? Like, some of these are clearly from 1991. This isn't the slam. No, I'm not having this. Give me a proper slam of the week. Someone get Jimmy Sony on the phone and tell him to explain (laughs) himself. Shitbag. Get me Crash Bandicoot. Listen here, you Antipodean bastard. What? is going on in... That was good Crash Bandicoot. That. Thank you very much. What's going on with the Slam of the Week? Can you not show me, I don't know, Pug Porto dropping a bastard? No. <laughs> Arsehole. Whoa! Uh, <laughs> Hunter, I've got one more in me, and it's just for you. Nice. Ooh. Lionel Goldberg will borrow in years to come. Big pop for Sid as he enters the arena for the main event. Goldust wastes no time and jumps Sid, taking him down with a clothesline because we always forget how big a bastard Goldust actually is. Yeah, he's a big tree of a man. He's a tree. He's massive. Like he, he sizes up to Sid. He's giving yeah. him a sexy corner combo that gets turned around by Sid into an inverted atomic drop. Although Goldust... Sid was off by a mile from the camera angle, they are the safest worker in the game, but there was like two foot between his knee and his bollocks. <laughs> it was the thought of it that hurt more than anything else. Goldust avoids a choke slam and takes a powder. And as he does so, Shawn Michaels calls in from San Antonio. Oh. Kevin Kelly asks his opinion on, on whether he wants to face either Sid or Vader. And Shawn says it's like choosing between being hit by a shovel or a baseball bat. By 12 Syracuse sailors. <laughs> He's going to have to be more than resilient at Survivor Series. Lawler reminds us that Sid dropped Sean with five power bombs in the past. And Sean says there are no friends when it comes to the WWF title. And then says, quite meekly, he's going to take an arse whooping by Steve Austin next week. Yeah. Um, I liked what they were doing here as well, because he kind of admitted he's like he's getting a bit tired because he's the fighting champion. So they, I think they are setting up the idea that Shawn Michaels can be beaten, maybe? Who knows? The 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 wrestler who I think has done the best tired champion uh, is North Wrestling's Rory Coyle. I want to give him his flowers here because I thought of this when we because now we're doing the whole Shawn Michaels is tired thing. Rory yeah. Coyle is the North champion for his first reign was after after about four or five months was just like I'm tired. Like this is really weighing heavy. Somebody just fucking beat me for this belt. And every month he'd come out and you'd see his entrance, he'd be a little bit more worn, a little bit more withered, but then would sort of spring to life and go for it. And then he'd wrestle for his fucking life. He'd win the match. He'd be like, oh, fuck this. Like he was, he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to lie down, but he was desperate for somebody to fucking take this, take this weight off him. And I really liked the subtlety and the way that he did it. I thought it was really wonderful. Flowers for you, Rory Coyle. Flowers for Rory Coyle. Um, Now, Sean uh, hangs up here because he's in San Antonio and I imagine it's expensive to call at this point. But he invites Jim Cornette to rock up to the announce table. Uh, Goldust power power slams Sid at this point because, again, we forget that Goldust is a fucking tank of a man. Yeah, it was a lovely power slam as well. Really lovely. Post-break, Sid lands a choke slam onto Goldust and Cornette on commentary is furious that Sid has to face him. There's not much sort of there's not much filler as soon as we come back from the break because we have a little bit of strikes. Then we have the choke slam, and then Sid gets up Goldust and power bombs this tree of a man. And yeah. Cornette looks legit worried about it as well. That is until Vader comes out and batters Sid and floors him with a splash from Brett's rope. 
However, fucking hell, Sid pops right back up and does a super animated cartoony facial expression. He goes all Camp Hulk Hogan, I've got his, doing the finger wag while doing his Charlie Chuck face and being Sid with his hair. It's very odd. His super noodle hair running wild, brother. Yeah, because uh, he, he does the Hogan comeback with the three punches and all that, and then Vader goes, now nah, let's, have, let's have a fight. So, But then the fight from Vader is taken from him after he gets choke-slapped by Sid in a very impressive spot. Vader and Jim get out of town, and Raw ends... The crowd, the loudest they've been all night yeah. for Sid, who is on one knee, saluting the crowd, standing tall as Raw ends. What do you think yeah. of the main event? Short, but to the point, Goldust's stock has fallen, though. I know Sid's like the most over person right now, but this was a, a clean and definitive win over Goldust. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm not saying that they should have had a DQ win, nor should they have had Sid versus a jobber here, but I don't know, it, it felt like they kind of fed Goldust to the Wolves here a little bit, but yeah. the post-match was decent. A bit campy, but it was good, and we know that we've got what will probably probably be a pretty bad match between Sid and Vader coming up, but it's always nice to see two big lads just twat each other, isn't it? So, What do you think? Beefy boys battered each other. This was, I think, just an opportunity to to make Sid look like the man here, uh, yeah. and just just reaffirm his status as a top babyface uh, for now at least. Uh, Goldust, I, you say his stock has fallen. I still I disagree because I feel like the fact that he's still in the main event, like he isn't winning the big matches, but he's in the mix and yeah. looking looking like uh, looking somewhat dominant against some against someone like Sid. Like he gets a lot in on Sid. I feel like if this match had been more Sid based offense i would agree with you but i think Goldust got a fair amount in on sid here which i was very surprised by no that's, i don't that's think fair. they're in a rush to sort of take Goldust off the boil because whilst there are some new faces and players in the top scene they don't want to lose someone like Goldust, who you, you could just drop into a feud at any point with someone like a sean michaels yeah no that's fair that's fair overall thoughts on raw this week I didn't think it was a very good episode. It was very disjointed. Um, we've had in recent weeks a lot of cutaways, people on the phone, picture in picture, etc. But they were doing it too much for me. It felt like every match had at least three cutaways to seven different people talking about six different matches at eight different shows. It wasn't a bad show. It just didn't feel important to me. Um, yeah, it was just... Eh. I always um, praise Raw over Nitro for its simplicity in yeah. its delivery and execution. Nitro is a fucking mess to watch and try and track and circumnavigate. It's not a million miles off Dynamite. Just say it. Yeah. If you miss a week of Dynamite, it's like the universe punishes you for having the audacity to go out on a Wednesday. Yeah. Um, but with nitro it's a hot mess raw's always been very much like here's here's the feuds here's how we're running them there was lots of overlap this week not just you've got you've got a pay-per-view coming up but we're also plugging raw for next week raw for the week after survivor series is happening here razor and diesel there was like razor watching backstage for no reason because he doesn't get into the mix with Goldust or sid just oh there he is backstage why yeah no reason you didn't need that bit that's one little bit that you could have cut out you didn't necessarily need to have a smoking guns bit of smoking guns were coming out you know you kind of you know you had several people on the phone throughout the night and 
you, you plug, you, they're trying to get so many things away here that it, it fortunately lost its, what I love about it, which is its simplicity and its ease of execution. It was very cluttered tonight. Yeah, it was just busy, wasn't it? Busy. busy. Yeah. A bit like the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review, which has been busy with good times. Not, do you know what? All busy, not even a sniff of bulldog in it. No, exactly. We phoning. The week after we came up with, what, Davey Boy Smith, attorney at law. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Objection. Oh, yeah. You, you could, I've got an object for you. My <laughs> dick. Now, fuck <laughs> up. I hired the British Bulldog for my court case, and we sat there, and he asked me what litigation means. He's like, <laughs> is that what cat shit on, is it? <laughs> I'm a dog. Not a real dog. Don't worry. It's just my name. Got a real dog. Winston, he's lovely. Bit old now. Bit a boy. Um... Right. Don't, no, I'm sorry. I went to the shop. They only had bananas, but apparently they're the same thing. I said, what do you mean? So we had to get some plantains, didn't we? No, it's plaintive. Oh, no. So we did need. No, they're no, they're different, Dave. We didn't. <laughs> what goes? You can't take. I've tried taking fruit back, and they say no. <laughs> Eat it, you bastards. Good. Can't eat you. all these bananas. My potassium we'll end, will go through the roof. We'll end up all sick like Peter Andre. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a potassium overload. I'll start sweating salt out my back. I don't want that. <laughs> my back's lovely when it's not covered in acne. <laughs> Allegedly. I learned that one in court when I lost uh, the other week. <laughs> I'll win uh, one one day. <laughs> How was your day at court, Davey? It was good, Tom. Now, I didn't eat your pie out of the fridge. Allegedly. Wink. What you mean? It's what I learned in court when you're lying. <laughs> you ate my pie, you little bastard. No, Allegedly. <laughs> David, do me a favour. Pass me my slippers so I can beat fuck out of you with them. There you no. go, Tom. I'm sorry. <laughs> Objection. I don't want to. <laughs> I'd like to plead fifth. I'd like to plead the fifth element, please. It's a good film star in Bruce Willis. <laughs> and that ginger lass with the nice bottom. Uh, don't yeah. tell Diana I said that. She'll hit roof. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck are you talking about, Dave? Oh, no. She heard. <laughs> oh, fuck. Sorry, Diana. You talking about another fucking woman, you fucking doylem. No, I Diana. Are you a new character? We said this episode, even out. Got, we, this episode didn't even have Bulldog, but that doesn't fucking stop us. <laughs> <laughs> What's coming up with you, Jack Atkins? All in, mainly. All in. Well, ooh, a little treat for you and for you, the listener out there. Um, for the next maybe two episodes, I'll be sat alongside your lovely self, won't I? Hey, the good times are back again, so. So what had happened was, as a little, you know, peeking behind the curtain, before it was confirmed that I was going to be part of the team for All In, because originally I was just going to get tickets and go as a fan. And I mentioned in the work chat, I said, if you need someone for the press conference, if you can get me a press pass, I'll do the conference because I'm going to be there anyway. And then it was decided that I'll be up for the weekend as part of the team. Pachiti 
told me that when he, he booked the hotels, we're staying like next to Wembley Stadium because Pacitti was awake while Dynamite was on with the announcement. And as soon as Adam Cole said, Wembley Stadium, he just went, two, two, uh, two hotel rooms, please. Booked it straight away and thought, I'll figure it out later. He also booked the train tickets from Newcastle to London return. And I was like, Adam, I live in Liverpool. That's the <laughs> other side of the country. So we figured out I'm going to come to Newcastle on the Wednesday morning. I've got to get a train at 20 past six. So I'm going to have to, I tried booking, pre-booking an Uber. It's a 10 minute ride from my house to Lime Street. And for pre-booking an Uber for half five in the morning, they'd be like, yeah, that'll be 40 quid. And I was like, no, I'll walk. Um, <laughs> so I'll get into Newcastle about half nine, come straight into the office and we'll get some, we'll get some, in-house stuff done oh how exciting it'd be nice to see the whites of your eyes again young man and the beige of my teeth <laughs> and the beige of your teeth are you staying with bulldog while you're here i am yes he, he's putting me up in bulldog towers which is a tree house filled with dog shit <laughs> <laughs> just bags of dog shit hanging off the tree I'm like oh it's good this day it smells a bit he's like oh yeah it's probably it's probably the meat pie tree i tried growing next to it <laughs> And you look across and it's just a normal tree with a frayed bentos sellotape to a branch. <laughs> they said you was horse manure to make it grow, but I didn't do that, so I just did a poo on it. <laughs> <laughs> did a frayed bentos with just a human poo, just slowly oscillating <laughs> in the wind. <laughs> Council have been round twice. They said, take it down. I said, no. <laughs> I said, I'll see you in court. I'm good at that now. <laughs> <laughs> So what about yourself, Tom? What have you got coming up that's exciting? Oh, right. So uh, Desert Island Graps on Wednesday with Clint Margera, uh, Deathmatch Superstar, who is off to do Deathmatch Down Under and defend the North Wrestling Ultraviolet Championship abroad, making it a world title, because that's how wrestling works. Yes, um, it is. We talk a little bit about his favourite weapons. <laughs> and and I very rudely go, can I talk about all the scars you've got? <laughs> and, and there's stories behind the majority of scars on Clint Margera's body. And we oh. go into the details of them as a deathmatch wrestler. I was keen to know where they all came from. And they've got stories. You say that's rude. I think that's fine when you're interviewing a deathmatch wrestler. If you're interviewing like a survivor of war, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> like... Lieutenant Dan from Forrest Gump. <laughs> so, Lieutenant Dan, tell me, when was the last time you had shins? And he'd be like, oh, you squat. <laughs> On the podcast feed, um, over the last week, you will have had a Desert Island Craps with... Impact Wrestling's Diana Perrazzo. One of my favourite wrestlers. I, I think she's fantastic. She's brilliant, and she was good fun. Uh, ahead of yeah. Impact coming to the UK in October. Exciting mm -hmm. times. Tickets on sale now. Uh, and also, uh, a new podcast that we are uh, running out called Before and After, in which we speak exclusively to Izzy Marino, a.k.a. Bailey Fangirl yeah. of NXT, who the other weekend had a very first match. And I saw, I so saw. we do two interviews. So we I interviewed her the day before the match, and mm. then I interviewed her the day after. And you can listen to both and see how it all went. Oh, a bit I like that. Yeah, a bit different. different. Always trying new things here, aren't we? We're trying new things and seeing what goes. Uh, that's so that's cool. that's on the podcast feed. Loads of other good stuff as well. And of course, for the latest wrestling news throughout the week, you can check out cultaholic.com. He's at Brat Atkins. I'm at Tom Campbell. Together, we're at Cultaholic. 
Don't forget to join us. Wow! Love you, bye. <laughs>